We just put up our some decor for those who can't see it. It's a Rainier beer light up sign that you would see in like bars, I guess, um, with mountains and trees. And I gave it to Ben for a, I don't know, birthday, I think, Christmas? Christmas. Really? I think it was birthday. Birthday. Two years ago or so. And I'm glad that you put it back up because it was up when we had a different place we're doing the podcast for like a hot minute and then we moved it down here and we hadn't put it up for a long time so here it is and now we're going to talk about the most controversial and difficult thing we've ever discussed on this podcast you're listening to the fight for together podcast okay last week we announced that we're going to be discussing our experience and views with psychedelics Mm-hmm. which we're going to do. What's so weird about this topic is there's this whole sector of society where talking about it is no big fucking deal at all. It's like, oh, I went to the grocery store. I microdosed some mushrooms, and I watched a movie. And everyone's like, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's the world that we came from where drugs were i mean okay so there's not only the societal just say no war on drugs classism campaign from the 80s yeah that existed but we were probably like the crack cocaine version of that coming from christianity which not only looked down on drugs like marijuana Mm -hmm. but also like even alcohol or cigarettes were like big no-nos and not just a sign of um maybe like bad health choices but actually being in a lower moral class Mm -hmm. yep so i as i look at is frowning on those people frowning on them yes i'm I'm trying to be more affirmative to you remember how last time on our podcast you said that i should verbally state my there should be like a bouncing back and forth of if I say something, you respond, even if it's just like a, oh, yeah, and then you move on to your thing. I was telling Ben that I think that that could, if he doesn't do that, it could come off as just that you don't care about what I'm saying and that could have like a bad vibe hmm. for people. And in my head, I'm like, of course I agree with you and love that you're talking. Yeah. Otherwise I wouldn't put you on my freaking podcast. Uh, and it just is yeah. like fewer words to not say. Right. It. So I but think I, I guess I'm getting, I'm thinking about what I would want to hear or maybe just getting into trying to get into other people's heads. But That's so cool. I totally agree with that. <laughs> oh God, that's too much. <laughs> too, much. too much. Yeah. Um, so anyways, where we come from with drugs, for some reason – this is extremely difficult to talk about on this platform because uh, uh, we know there's people that listen to this. It's kind of a coming out, if you will. Well, we've had a lot of conversations about uh, drugs with um, our current friends. The relationships and um, religious identity that we identified with for so long, decades and decades and decades... Mm-hmm. Like, I know that they're going to judge us when they hear it. <coughs> and and that just Excuse is me. weird. Yeah. So yeah. first I want to say, um, uh, there's a number of reasons why we haven't talked about this, that being one. The other is the legality. So uh, for any, like, police officers or lawyers, everything that we're going to say um, is... Uh, for entertainment purposes only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not historical. It's right. not true. It's not real. It Hypoth- never happened. Hypothetical. All the names and places are made up, mm-hmm. including ours. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even exist. Mm. Drugs? What drugs? The cigar doesn't even exist. No, officer. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so to the rest of you, wink, wink. You guys know what's going on. 
Yeah. Um, okay, I feel like we should stop beating around the bush. Okay. Let's begin. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I want to begin at the beginning, which is telling uh, this. This is this is my ongoing creative. I'm just gonna vent a little bit. This podcast could be ten hours long talking about psychedelics, the amount of impact it's had on our life, the amount of money we've invested slash made. Uh, the amount of parenting decisions, just the story itself. But to go from not talking about it at all, this is like, I guess, an intro. I'm saying this mm-hmm. to myself, just to make myself feel better about how much information we're going to be skipping It's not all-inclusive. Um, I remember going to Bible college, and there was a rule at Bible college that you couldn't consume tobacco. Um up there with other great rules such as no card use, like playing mm-hmm. cards, no dancing, and no sweatpants to class, and guys were not allowed to wear white t-shirts. People ask why. I don't know. It's because we could see your nipples. <laughs> no R-rated movies. Am mm-hmm. I supposed to say that joke was really funny? <laughs> no. Cammy. <please>. Don't. <laughs> That's a good one. No, actually what you did was perfect. Okay. It was just a slight little chuckle. Oh, okay. Good. Move the fuck on. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm adjusting. Um no, I, to our new podcast. I'll just persona. I'll I'll let you know at the end how you did, okay, but nice. just, you know, do your thing. Um Okay, so I went to Bible college where there was no tobacco use. Anyways, it was the last day of school. It crossed midnight, and me and my best friend Nate and my RA John Bima, we smoked a pipe, a corn cob pipe with tobacco on the steps of the like dean's office, like the head administration building. As it is, it kind of like a fuck you. It was kind of a fuck you. But in a way, it wasn't. Or it's just it, celebratory that, yeah. oh, we can now do this without getting Yeah, because penalized. we also followed the rule the entire year. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I turned myself in for watching 10 minutes of Schindler's List during Christmas break to the dean. So I, I highly respected the rules. It, that, that story But, but there was kind of this like, you don't own me anymore thing. Uh-huh. And I say that to say, this is pipe tobacco. You know, this is know. the type of stuff your grandpa smoked. Right. Um. And that was, I was probably 18 or 19. And then I remember when our friend got a beer on our honeymoon, we were uh, 20, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like a Mike's Hard Lemonade in Canada. It was a Mike's. It was a Mike's not, not so, hard, so lemonade, hard lemonade, which is like half the alcohol. <laughs> and we were like judging him for it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember um, drinking alcohol Um we we had a sh- we were in the shower you and I and it was like our first year of marriage and I had a sip of Mike's hard lemonade. I don't like when you tell the story because it makes me out to be like an idiot. No 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 no, I, it isn't. It just shows how sheltered we were. And I had one sip and then I, pre- I I like pretended to slur my speech and like fall down and act drunk. <laughs> and I had visibly only had one sip, but we didn't know how alcohol worked. Neither of us did, and we were just we just thought when you drink you get drunk and it's just bad. And you like took it away from me and you're like you're done with this. And I then yeah. I was like, hey, I'm just kidding, JK. Yeah. And and um, yeah, it freaked me out. And I was probably more extreme than other people because going through my young adulthood, I'll just give you a few stories. I had numerous surgeries. I've had a hernia surgery. I've had eye surgeries. I've had um, my wisdom teeth removed. And I was like so anti-drugs. I didn't even take the antibiotics that they told me to before I got my wisdom teeth out. And I never took the painkillers um, like Vicodin. I remember I got when I got one of my shoulder surgeries because I was so against this idea of, of um, artificially changing what I thought was God's design for our body. And... Um, and I, I think I was frankly like addicted to control and I wanted to feel and be mentally present and not just in control, but mental control. Mm-hmm. Like back then I thought what your thoughts and my mind was the most powerful tool that I had. Yeah. Um, I essentially worshiped it. And so doing but anything. It's even what we were taught to like, there's verses in the Bible where it's like, don't, don't lose your 
faculties basically like don't lose control of your mind don't lose control of your body or whatever so like i don't think i had two beers until my 30s i smoked pot once when i was in amsterdam where it was legal Mm -hmm. um and i didn't get high in fact my chaperone friend that was supposed to be babysitting me got high and i felt like i could no longer get high because i wanted to make sure one of us was like safe i I just thought like crazy things were going to happen and i also had i just want to toss out one other thing for me which is that i had a history of what i consider drug abuse in my family which i think led to me being very angry and afraid at drugs and how dangerous they were and what they could do mm-hmm. this was my viewpoint for I a would lot of say, that was hidden from you too mm-hmm. wasn't out in the open so i blame drugs for the way our family was uh, specifically marijuana and alcohol and this is how things were for probably the first 35 years of my life right i had never been drunk um uh... There, there was there, maybe once. There was once when I like rem- I remember having like what four beers. Maybe you just got like a good buzz, and I couldn't like walk on a line like very well. Mm-hmm. Now I would probably consider that tipsy, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I'm talking like blackout drunk or barfing mm-hmm. drunk or like right completely out of control drunk. Like to this day, uh, in terms of alcohol, don't know what that feels like. I do <laughs> once. <laughs> I think. Oh, once. yeah. I forgot about that. Um, it's in the last couple of years. Okay, so that's our background. Uh, do you have anything you want to add about your background that's pertinent or unique or different? I mean, it's pretty similar to yours in regards to didn't have any drugs or alcohol for a good... I mean, I, ha- I think I eventually had alcohol. Gosh, I don't even know. Like, in... I guess like my mid twenties, probably more so. But even then, it was just like a little bit here and there, not like a lot. Um, yeah. And even a it's step further not... for me was in high school. You know, I would hear about the kids that were partying, mm. like smoking pot and underage drinking, and mm-hmm. I mean, my imagination was not that big, so that in my mind, it was like probably just alcohol and drugs were the two categories and yeah i prided myself in not associating with that group or activity at Mm -hmm. all yeah like if there was a party i wasn't there Mm -hmm. um yeah and that in the shower story where i freaked out because you were acting like you were drunk i had no idea even what that even would look like i I think, and I see this now with people, with psychedelics even, um, so I think it's pertinent to this topic, like when you don't know firsthand about something, but you're hearing all these like stories that are just really there to like freak you out and get you to like make sure you never take the thing, I realized how ignorant I was and I just, I didn't know. I didn't know like what alcohol did. I didn't know what marijuana did um so yeah it's just now i can just see that um that you don't know what you don't know but then but you but you think you know (laughs) you think yeah you know it's easy to mistake fear for expertise because mm -hmm. people are using these things and i'm not so i view myself as having more self-control more information and the war on drugs put a ton of like misinformation out there just to like make people freaked out so that they wouldn't do it okay so that's our past yep and um i would say close to two years ago well three or four years ago we got essentially excommunicated from our spiritual community which i did not realize how much i I consider myself a free thinker a brave person out of the box and then i got kicked out of our community and then i realized how much i was still influenced by the people around me and when you are worried Hmm. that if you believe something is right let's say marijuana 
and those around you do not believe that. Um, and if you believe that if the people found out what you were doing, then you'll get kicked out. I don't think you can ever mentally fully go there unless yeah. you keep it a secret and hide it, which I wasn't willing to live a double life. Yeah. So long story short, I thought I was a free thinker. And then when we get kicked out. I started like considering things really for the first time in my life that yeah. I had never seriously, fairly or honestly considered because mm -hmm. I just couldn't go there. Yeah. And now I could go there. And somehow psychedelics or drugs fit into that. Um, not very slowly. Um, mm -hmm. Man, I think we had some friends that had experimented with some things. And I think, I don't fully remember all the timeline, but I got a hold of Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a guy who's a journalist. He's not a druggie. He's, um, I had read his other books about food and the food supply chain, and we had read those to the kids. So I just kind of like knew, like, this is like an old academic dude. He doesn't, he's not trying to like, everything I had heard before is like, oh, if you're trying to do drugs, you're just trying to like justify partying. Mm -hmm. And you're lazy, and you must not give a shit about anything that really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read his book, which was like about the history of psilocybin mushrooms, magic mushrooms, and talked about physiologically, like what magic mushrooms does to your brain and how basically people are using it to treat things like depression, PTSD, possibly dementia. I don't remember if that was one of the examples. Mm -hmm. And I read this book and I was like, oh. This is a compelling idea. And basically a friend um, offered us some mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And like I said, all of this story is completely false and fictional. None of the details are true or real. Mm -hmm. This didn't happen, police officers. But to just keep on going with the story. Yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story. Um, we ate these mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I think it was about four grams that we split. I took more because I think you were more afraid. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. And all I know is that it was like, mentally speaking, the best night of my life at that time. Yeah. That's how it felt. I felt like I went to a gym for my brain. I felt like there were places of my brain that were being accessed and used. It was like if you if you get like a massage, you know how you get a um, a Swedish massage and they get like underneath your shoulder blade and they rub this one muscle and it hurts and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was there until you started pushing it. Mm -hmm. I felt like that's what mushrooms did to my brain where I'm like, okay, yeah, I use my brain to like do math and calculate shit and read books. But that night I felt things and accessed memories that I had no idea were in my psyche. Yeah. I had tears streaming down my face for hours. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sad. Mm -hmm. It was just like emotion. It was, it was like involuntary. Yeah. It just but it was, but it wasn't random or psychological. It was like, Parts of my psyche were being triggered. Yeah. That are linked to my tear ducts. Mm -hmm. And I don't cry. I'm not a crier. Like, I mean, I cry, what, once a year, twice a year, more in the last 10 years than ever. But um, I cried. Yeah. Or something. Your eyes were wet. My eyes were wet. It was <laughs> weird because I wasn't like, Ooh. but like, what? Tears were rolling down my cheeks for hours. Yeah. That's that's the best way to put At it. At times you were laughing. I was smiling tears like crazy. Were yeah. I just couldn't I could not believe what was happening. Yeah. So after that, I was kind of like, "Oh, this is something I want to take seriously." Mhm. Mm um I consider myself uh What's the word? I invest a lot into bettering myself. Mm -hmm. You're a growth junkie. I'm a growth junkie. 
I work out three times a week minimum for the last 20 years. I've gone to therapy whenever I thought it was going to be better. I read, buy and read any book that I think is going to change my mind for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to 12-step groups for eight years just for the off chance that it would help improve my life, mm-hmm. and I think it did. Um, and this one experience shifted my perception of myself in the world mm-hmm. more than probably any two to four hour moment that I've ever had. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, Rainier, who was two, three, three at the time, mm-hmm. walked in, and the way that I saw him in this moment mm-hmm. was so radically different. I felt like I understood him. I don't want to say for the first time because that makes it sound like it's this like complete thing, and it's not complete. But it's it like, like you could see things through his eyes. Yes, like you know how. Um, well, I, I hadn't realized that when. Uh, okay, so a lot of our mental faculties are geared towards this skill set. Like speaking is a skill set. Making money is a skill set. Playing racquetball is a skill set I have. Being able to write or vlog is a skill set. And without realizing it, subconsciously, I rank people around me based upon these skill sets. I'm like, okay, you can't talk very well. Well, you must be like uh, less worthy of my time is how I do it. Like things are geared more towards efficiency too. Efficiency is one of those things, but it's, it's all over the place. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think part of it's capitalism. Part of it is, Mm -hmm. I don't know what, what's all involved in it, but yeah, but Rainier being smaller, I just realized there's this thing in my programming that says, okay, you're like less of a human. Like you have ideas, but they're kind of like dumb kid ideas. Mm -hmm. Anyways, on mushrooms, when I saw him, because I couldn't talk either, by the way, at this point. Like, my language, the ability for me to use words was not really, I wasn't mm-hmm. seeing the world that way. And he was talking, but he wasn't talking clearly. Like, he was talking like a three-year-old would talk. Mm-hmm. But I just got it. It felt so profound. I was like, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's deep. Mm-hmm. It's just as deep as anything I say, even though mm-hmm. I use more a more complex vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not any less valuable than what I think or say. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that like on paper, but when I was on mushrooms, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you felt it. Which it's hard. I mean, I had always undervalued feelings. I mean, like, who cares? Feelings come and go. Like sappy Valentine shit like is lame. Yeah. These types of feelings, though, they've stuck with me. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, I'm more emotional than I'd like to think I am. And feelings make we make decisions off of feelings we decide to get fit based on feelings and fuck and love and read and get degrees there's so much masking done around feelings for adults but kit but a three-year-old doesn't know quite how to do the masking yet so what you see with a three-year-old is really just like a mirror back at you and like oh that's me (laughs) but i just know how to cover that shit up yeah, it was it was a profound experience to me, one of my first ones. And so, as I do, um, I oftentimes get tattoos to um, memorialize um, significant events for me. And this eye on my hand, you can see here, uh, my left hand. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast thing, this is on YouTube. And if you're listening on YouTube, this is on all the podcast channels. This is Rainier's Eye um, that a guy named Corey Flatmo in Cincinnati did. And it was to remind me how impactful this moment was when I was able to see the world through my three-year-olds, see it from his perspective and how important and special it is to be able to see the world from someone else's perspective and how you not only did you see it through his perspective but you believed it was just as it was equal and just as valuable as your own in that moment which i think is really significant yeah because i'm like i'm the one that makes the money so i make all these decisions and i talk the most because i know the most words but 
like but who gets to decide that i know and it's like but it's at the same time it's so hard to talk someone else or myself into this and it, what was weird about psychedelics in this case mushrooms was no one needed to tell me this mm-hmm. i didn't need to read a bible verse or a parenting book or a buddhist thing on compassion it was, it was like something you inherently knew within yourself that the mushrooms was letting you access now yeah i saw him and i was like wow or helping you to access yeah so that was like my first experience um and i'll you know other stuff happened um but very i remember what was really crazy for me is like completely losing track of time I had never felt that before, like in that way. Like you're totally lucid, but you've lost track of time in this way where it was like time didn't exist. Which can, can we plug your uh, album and say that yeah. uh, I actually wrote a song about yeah. this very thing based upon a psychedelic experience that Cammy put as a song on her album. That's called Time. Yep. Which now you know. Yep. That's fixed on that. <laughs> um, so very quickly early on, and this is like COVID is kind of like happening-ish um, around this time and the world is shutting down. And I start investing a lot of my mental space and even schedule to exploring this further. Mm-hmm. Because... Kind of like one of the things I've, I'm also like a bit of a travel junkie, at least historically. Now I feel like I'm kind of over it and I'm like more of a homebody, which Mm -hmm. is weird to say because I still went five, took five flights in the last six months. But um, you don't have quite the same drive. No, but I used to love going to different places. And one of the things that happened for me and why I loved it, I remember in high school going to Mexico and seeing these people that were poor by all of our standards and yet we're still happy and being so confused and then learning, oh, wow, people have different things that make them happy. And this way that we viewed happiness in America is not set in stone. Like there's other mm-hmm. ways to see the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every time you travel and you go someplace else, and you see the way people see family and the way people see community and the way people see food and love. Um, I remember being in communist uh, Russia or it was like, this is in the late nineties and you know, everything was just gray and the way that they listened to our music, they were like, they were like blown away by music that we were just like, uh, this is just like rock and roll. Like what's the big deal? And they like, couldn't believe it. Um, Anyways, I love travel for that reason. It gives you this ability to go to this place on the planet and to get a different perspective on life. And then when I come back, I've always come back differently. Well, anyways, what I learned with psychedelics is you could do this same thing in your living room. You could have this psychedelic experience, and all I knew was that every time I went, I did it, when I got back, I saw the world differently, mm-hmm. which for a lot of people, and I think even you early on, was a big reason for why you didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is a pain in the ass. Um, because it felt scary. Yeah, it's not very practical. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to like go to work the next day and if you, you know your life consists of performing the same activities again and again, and that's how you what you consider success. Mm-hmm this can be very disruptive mm-hmm. to your life. Yeah. If you, like who wants to see the world differently like <laughs> every damn week? Well, I do. Um yeah. if I believe it's more accurate mm-hmm. or making me into a more compassionate or more wise person. Mm-hmm. So that's what I started doing is scheduling this fairly frequently, mm-hmm. as frequently as possible, which for me it's was like going to church around once a week. Mm-hmm. and there was different substances that we i mean so there's like 
in this time, I'm like reading books left and right. I mean, there's books on the history. There's books on the science. There's books, book after book after book, specifically on the therapeutic benefits of how to incorporate mushrooms and MDMA, also called Molly or ecstasy and LSD into things that therapeutically help you access places of your psyche that are virtually, I don't want to say unreachable without it, but it's the type of thing where like, just for example, with MDMA, um, there was a documentary we watched called a trip of compassion, highly, highly recommend Mm -hmm. about treating PTSD with MDMA. Mm -hmm. And it's not only that MDMA helps you process PTSD trauma, like 10 times faster. It's like there's people that have struggled with PTSD for decades and there's a depth to there is it's like unsolvable mm-hmm. and then they do like three um mdma sessions therapeutically and they have like an 80 percent success rate and this mm-hmm. is this is the type of documentary where they film the therapeutic sessions and they show you the actual therapy it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like fluffy i mean i'm sure there's like a slant but you know no it didn't seem fluffy to me it seemed like it was tough (laughs) but these people were desperate like they they had been living with these pts pretty extreme ptsd symptoms for years and years and nothing was working for them and i want to call out one book in particular or one person his name's dr carl hart um he recently got uh put on the advisory board of maps which is a psychedelic um, nonprofit. And he wrote a book called Drug Use for Grownups. I think my first introduction to him was on a Joe Rogan podcast where I watched the full like two or three hour. He's a Columbia University professor with long dreadlocks. And I read his book called Drug Use for Grownups. And he, okay, so he does like recreational, I don't know what to call it because it's even hard to say that because I think people have this category in their mind, but he does heroin recreationally, meaning like once a month he'll do a dose um, or something. And he's open about it and he's a professor and he's smart and mm-hmm. he's respected mm-hmm. and he's responsible mm-hmm. and he's compassionate and caring and kind. Mm-hmm. And I know like nowadays it's kind of more in to do um, like weed, like you can buy weed and it's legal in a lot of places or even mushrooms are now like people are like, oh yeah, microdosing, like psychedelic therapy, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Heroin is not cool. In fact, I've never done heroin. But what I, the point is regardless of what I respect about him and what he said in the book and on this podcast that challenged me was that there is a class war mm-hmm. with drugs. And if you are doing drugs and you can afford to talk about it mm-hmm. with either your uh, psyche or your finances, then basically like you owe it to the world to share your story and contribute to destigmatizing it. Yeah. And when I first heard that, that was, I think, when we were... Um, going to the AT or something. I don't know. I feel like we were, mm-hmm. I remember where we were. We were crossing the AT driving and we listened to this podcast and I was like, damn it, we have to do this. And it was kind of just a matter of time. Oh, for trail. <clears throat> we were doing trail magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And I knew. It makes we, sense to me. <clears throat> we now. need to tell our story. Yeah. yeah. Because, because if you don't, then it actually really hurts the people who are in a quote unquote lower class. And all I mean by that is their circumstances um, with like resources and finances and all of that. Because a lot of those people are turning to drugs to cope with life, but they're being demonized and thrown into jail and all this stuff. And then you have people who are richer who are doing it and know how to like do it behind closed doors and hush hush but nothing's happening to them 
So if like, yeah, it's like if you can afford. And short of the law, it's even stigmatized. Like certain drugs are like, oh, wow, you're so sophisticated. You're microdosing psilocybin. Mm. And then other drugs like, oh, you're doing heroin. You're a fucking loser. Yeah. Like screw, like you deserve to die if you overdose. It's not my problem. And it's like there's so much. um, My opinions on this topic have changed so much as I become more educated about the legal system, about Mm -hmm. my own bias and the history, and learned about drugs themselves and what they are and what they do. Um, They're not magical. Right. They're substances. We, We all do drugs too. Like the biggest drug is caffeine. Right. And and we might laugh and be like, but just because it's legal doesn't make it less uh, impactful. I mean, right. think about why everyone, every adult drinks coffee in the morning. Like, how can you say that that does not have an impact? Or alcohol, which kills more people than any uh, illegal drug. Mm-hmm. And, but yet it's supported by, you know... It big fit, companies. It fits into our capitalistic system. Okay, so I don't want to get on like soapboxing too much, but mm-hmm. my views on these things have changed to a point where I felt like we need to be honest about our experience and how life changing it has been. Yeah. And um and also like uh what a year or two ago I invested one of our like largest investments, um, financially speaking, into uh, like a psychedelic company mm-hmm. that um, is like European and does like research for therapeutic stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's how much like I, this was all as a result of like this, basically this one experience <laughs> and what started to proceed afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what, where to go from here, except for like, I just kind of envisioned this podcast being maybe sharing like our top three things that we learned or took away mm-hmm. um, from these experiences. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have one, otherwise I'll, say another one that yeah. i've been thinking about well i'll try to think while you're talking okay um but. i would say another experience or uh basically like just a a, th- a through line experience that i had was um i said that i would come back um different after it could be a two to 12 hour trip time that it took depending on the drug. And one of the constant lessons I experienced and learned again and again and again was realizing how powerful your mind is Mm. Mm -hmm. and how I think we take for granted how different other people's minds are and the way I see the world is really just through the lens that I've been given or created. But that's just the lens. Right. Like you can change the lens, you can clean the lens. But because we have, like, one of the things that's like, uh, I think why psychedelics are starting to take over the um, medicine field and come back isn't because they're just the most awesome thing, although they are pretty cool. It's because there's we don't have any solutions to these problems. Like depression now, ADHD, uh, PTSD, these things that are plaguing like literally millions of Americans and people worldwide. Mm -hmm. We don't like the medicine world does not have a solution for. Well, and they're they're starting to realize that. Yeah, after fifty years, it doesn't solve it. In fact, it can mitigate like symptoms, but it does not get at the root to these issues it cannot help you get a new lens it merely deals with like physiological side effects which only last so long and i remember like one friend in particular um i remember talking to her after she did lsd for the first time and she just told me the story over the phone which was like really um impactful to me and and um mimicked a lot of my experiences but she said 
it was like I was like looking through this screen, this piece of glass or lens, and I just like could move my head and I could like step outside of it and look at the other side and just see even that there was a lens I was looking through. Mm. You could just like step back and see like, oh, that's a thing. Like, mm -hmm. that's not me. Right. My views of why I'm scared of this or hate this or like sex or don't like sex or I'm attracted to this or that, mm -hmm. um, why I'm angry, that's not me. That's like a way that I've come to cope and process. My mind has developed to process through a very complex and difficult world. Mm. Right. And you can change it. Right. I mean, at least it's mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. If you have resources. And one of those resources could be a therapy, but it also could be some of these substances that all serve different purposes. I don't want to lump them all in one thing, but mm -hmm. like right. MDMA, um, generally speaking, yeah. I would, I mean, like there's the physiological, like increased dopamine levels, but um, from a more descriptive perspective, like lowers your inhibitions and your um, fear, your fear center, uh doesn't go offline but it like it like like yes like it goes way down yeah so like as an example i mean let's just talk about this because this is something you and i have both experienced and we've seen a lot with mdma um mm -hmm. if you have trauma we develop elaborate protection mechanisms to prevent us from getting hurt again right. so if something sexual happened when you're a little kid um Mm -hmm. If the subject of sex comes up, you might change the subject. Mm -hmm. You might start sweating. You might shut down. You might you want sex really dis bad. Disembody yourself. Yes, you yeah. might not want sex at all, okay? Mm -hmm. These are all, people view those as problems, but those are actually your body's solution to not what- getting hurt. Yes, what it sees as a deeper problem, which is- what created this initial trauma right and that's a really hard um pattern to break mm -hmm. like you can go to counseling and they can start asking you questions well, first of all you know a lot of times you don't even know it's there yeah that's true and then once you know it's there it is hard to break yeah and what they show in this uh documentary which is what happened to us is you take mdma and in two hours all those things that are um preventing you from being able to think about the thing right they're just gone mm -hmm. and now you have access to the trauma and you have not only do you have access to the trauma the great thing i think about mdma is at the same time it lowers your fear centers and then at the same time it increases your compassion for yourself and so it's it's gentle that way so it's not like this harsh thing that's like, face your fears. It's like, oh, you can face your fears, but you actually have all this compassion now to to like envelop, you know, what your trauma, basically. And that's just one example of what's <clears throat> possible. And if if you hadn't had this experience or don't have access to MDMA, you might think, oh, I hate sex mm -hmm. or I don't like people. Or mm -hmm. I'm not a good conversationalist, or whatever your specific symptoms are. But really, those aren't those aren't aspects of you. Those are coping mechanisms that you mm -hmm. developed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I have one. Go for it. For myself, um, using these substances for me has helped me access parts of who I am that I never knew were actually there. So an example of that is I never saw myself as a very strong or confident person or fierce, uh, but I've been able to, when I have on these like certain substances, I have acts, all of a sudden I can like see I can feel this like strength. I can feel this confidence. And I, and I think at one point in my life, I like just decided that's not who I am because if I, 
and I and I can kind of trace it back it for me is like well if I had confidence and if I had fierceness I would have gotten my ass kicked in my house hold growing up because I saw like one of my siblings had some of that and I saw mm. how their ass got kicked and so I think from an early age I just decided well that's not who I am and I just like capitalize on these other things of of maybe also who I am um but I also like lost a lot because of that I like had to cut off parts of who I was and mm. for the first time I can like I can access these things and before taking the substances I was starting to access those things but kind of on a like like this like more muted level like I get these like little glimmers but it's almost like when I'm on the substance it's like you can like one of those things where you know um those levers where you're just like like turbo boost yeah like it's like that it's like okay you ready for this because you you really ready to see how much strength and confidence and fierceness you have? Okay, I'll show you. And it's like, oh shit. Like I, I've had these moments where I'm like, oh shit. Like I I'm like really powerful person. Um so that's that's like a huge one for me. Um I would say another one that is a little less fleshed out for me, but maybe even talking about it will kind of cause uh, with meditation, they have this thing where, and I've done a little bit of it, but where like one of the main benefits of meditation is to be able to witness yourself. Like you kind of just witness your thoughts or you witness who you think you are. And I, I think that these substances have helped me do that kind of on, I don't know, on a certain level where I'm able to kind of what you said about our friend where you're able to be like, oh, I thought this was me, but this isn't like, you're able to kind of like see what you think is you and set it aside a little bit and just sort of like look at it and be like, huh, that's interesting. But you're not like, it's not enveloping you. And so when it's enveloping you, you feel kind of like powerless. You're just sort of like, well, that's just who I am. But these substances can help you kind of take a step back and be like, well, is that who I am? And you can kind of like ask these questions that I think are actually really empowering and realize you have, you have a choice. Yeah. Can I speak to that for a yeah. second? I've just, mm -hmm. um, you know, I started off talking about our history of drugs and alcohol and how we saw it and how afraid of it we were. And one of the, like main pieces of advice uh, you get when trying psychedelics in a therapeutic setting, the only thing you can really do is control the setting, mm -hmm. like to do it in what feels like a safe, less chaotic, peaceful place. Mm -hmm. And also the only piece of advice you ever get on what you can actively do and what you can control mm -hmm. is you let go. Mm -hmm. So, Right. Short of that, you don't get to decide what the experience is like. Right. Like when you do mushrooms, some people have what's called a bad trip or like more accurately how some people prefer to call it is a hard trip because they say there's no such thing as a bad trip. Like all these things do, like the drug itself, like the mushroom, it doesn't contain any thoughts. Mm -mm. It contains a drug called psilocybin, which connects neural pathways, which if there's things in your brain that you don't like, you'll have a bad trip. Right. But if you accept that there's things in your brain that aren't bad, but it might not be convenient for or you to face. It won't be comfortable. It might not be comfortable, but it's a part of you. Right. That is worth accepting and understanding and, and extending compassion towards. Mm -hmm. It's always a good trip, but you don't get to decide what comes up where and when. And that's why also they recommend um, having someone like, tell like remind you about these things of like just let go okay don't worry this isn't gonna last forever this will be over soon oh you see a door like go through the door like it's gonna be okay you know um like just reminders but mentally speaking so what where i was going with that was mentally speaking while i'm tripping while i'm on, under the influence of the drug mm -hmm. i would say psychologically 
besides the discipline of learning to let go, especially at first, it feels completely out of control, Mm -hmm. which can be scary if you think that your job is to be in control. But if you believe that you're going to be okay, it's temporary, it's natural, it's safe, you'll come back. Mm -hmm. Then you just, it's just like you just go on the ride. Right. And you see what you see. It might be scary. It might be fun. It might be happy. Could be a lot Um, of different things all in one too. But there's a kind of a belief that the mushrooms take you where you need to go. Like, which isn't, it's not really the mushrooms once again, but it's your own psychology. And, but it's out of your control, I guess is the point I'm getting at. But what I want, how I wanted to tie it in with what you said was when you get back from the trip, that's when, you know, you get back to normal. Right. Um, and then you get to decide how do I want to integrate what I saw? Mm-hmm. It's just like, I mean, you can go to India and you could see slums and you can be like, this world sucks. I'm going to kill myself. That's one response. Mm-hmm. Or you could see India and see slums and be like, oh, wow, I'm going to be really thankful for what I have. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, you get to re- choose how you want to respond. Right. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've just seen, like, it's it's just so weird how, in a way, I feel like I have less control in my life than ever. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that. Like, but psychedelics helped me see that because Mm -hmm. uh, most control is an illusion anyways yeah like we're on a rock spinning you know thousands of miles per hour through outer space we didn't get to control when we were born we don't get to control if if we were alive you know Mm -hmm. like you can't control traffic on the freeway there's there are a few things you can't control but there's so much you can't right and um i think also like what psychedelics has helped me is to to become friends with change and i'm not saying i've i've gotten to that point but i think i'm i'm getting i'm like more there than i used to be because like i think change can be seen as an enemy or it can be seen as a friend i mean if you're having a bad trip quote unquote having a hard moment um it's actually been helpful for me to be like, oh, this won't be here forever. Like eventually things are going to change. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's just that it's, it's helped me like understand like, oh, these, everything we see is actually really fragile because it's just always going to be changing. And I can either like try to learn how to accept that the best I can, or I can like you know, dig my heels in and be like, no, I don't want it to change. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's like, (laughs) there's so many things like that that are so hard to describe and so intangible. Mm -hmm. But like I, what you're describing, I've definitely related to. There's another that it's like, it kind of has to do with God, but I think it's not just God. I think it has to do with a feeling i remember one mushroom trip i had where i was just like gone Mm -hmm. i felt like i melted into the couch i didn't i've had so many experiences where people call it ego death or where i just basically felt like i stopped existing but i was like fine with that and i was actually at peace but i couldn't tell you like i'm ben i'm Mm -hmm. a white 43 year old male that lives in kentucky like i i didn't know any of those details i couldn't Mm -hmm. i didn't know what or who i was and i don't know if i was still me or whether i had stepped behind something but but in those moments i've just kind of the feelings that i've had and what i've seen Mm -hmm. like and, and the only way i can make sense of it is that it's coded into our brains or my dna because other people report these same feelings mm-hmm. is that there's enough things are going to be like okay mm-hmm. this is the first instance i ever had a feeling that god is good mm-hmm. if there is a god or a bigger reality i remember seeing this like um moving like rainbow shaped it was like a tiny blocks and i was like i just had this feeling like okay that's god like when Mm -hmm. i whatever i saw Mm -hmm. and it was like the burning bush equivalent but it was like Mm -hmm. pixar crazy rendered and it just felt good and safe which i Mm -hmm. had always heard about the christian god but never felt because this is a god the christian god is a god that will kill you and send you to hell forever right if you don't believe in him right like 
according to John 3.16. Right. Um, so no matter what you say you think about God. Yeah, how could you actually feel safe with that t- kind of this God? This feeling that I had in this moment about mm-hmm. whatever this deeper reality is that, that is behind it all, mm-hmm. which I think God is probably a pretty good word for, but this isn't like Choose God with word, a, whatever. Bur- a beard and, and a sky with a harps with angels around him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this thing is good and safe. Mm. Um, hmm. That And that was a life-changing experience for me. Yeah. Because I... I think most of the other, I mean, to get into like a lot of other Christian beliefs and not even Christian beliefs, but just like um, financial beliefs, a lot of our world runs off of the scarcity mentality that there's not enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've had trips where I have felt really unsafe and I have felt um, scared. And I've kind of concluded that that wasn't something outside of me that was like creating that. That was actually my own psyche. I think I was like, had stuff stored in my psyche, which makes sense for, to me that made me feel like unsafe that I was like processing or something. Um, yeah, I just remember like, having like a a long time like an hour where I felt this and I felt like I was able to tie it back to being told at a very young age that you need to say this prayer so that you don't go to hell and I mean talk about like creating you know a psychological base for feeling unsafe in the universe you know I mean these things come from somewhere like they don't just like happen. So, yeah. And I think, you know, this dabbling with psychedelics has shown me how much of our mindset impacts the way we operate. You know, a lot of times we think yeah. we are the way we are because we were dealt this deck of cards and like. We don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. We have to work. We have to go to school. We have to be miserable. We have to, you know, do this or that. And. Psychedelics showed me so much of the human experience is based upon the way that we see things. And yeah. the way you see things can change. The final thing I'll say. And the way you, sorry, the way you see things changes how you behave. Yes, it's pliable and it has a huge impact on the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. So if I can invest in something that is going to change my perspective mm-hmm. on myself and my fellow humans and the rest of my life, for me, there's very little worth investing in um one more tangible thing because this is our fight for together channel which is a family channel and you guys know we're parents with six kids yada yada so this this is part of our psychedelic experiences taking into account how does this impact our parenting um you know for me trying to parent a certain way it's so easy to over personalize things when kids act certain ways so they're late to dinner and i'm like or they spill the milk and i'm like are you trying to ruin my life Mm -hmm. or just make my life more difficult that's how it feels Mm -hmm. because i want something to happen and their existence is making it not happening so to me it feels like you must be trying to sabotage me Mm -hmm. anyways on lsd specifically which alters the way I see very dramatically Mm -hmm. like I see a leaf a certain way and I'm like okay cool leaf and then I'm on LSD I'm like holy fuck look at that leaf (laughs) that is a craziest thing I've ever stared at it for like an hour and guess what nothing's changed the leaf is the same Mm. but the way I see it I'm different Mm -hmm. and when I've been around my kids and when I've seen my kids and just uh knowing them I'm like oh if I can change that much in two hours and be the same damn person, mm-hmm. I wonder how memory sees the world differently, my 15-year-old, or how does Seven see the world, or Dove or Eden. We're not, I, I think, I, I forget that, I think everyone sees the world the same way I do, mm-hmm. but no one does. Mm-hmm. Like my experiences, my DNA, my physiologically, and my emotions 
all affect how I see something and how you see something changes how you act. Mm-hmm. And I think just naturally speaking, I'm like, I was like, that's black. What's the big problem? Like, if you don't see it as black, that's your fault. Like something's wrong with you. Mm. And now I'm like, okay, I'm black. But if an insect sees black, they might see 10,000 different colors and they're actually fucking right. Like mm. they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they have more of a scope of color than I do. Mm-hmm. And they think I'm the idiot for thinking it's just black. Mm-hmm. So and it, it brings a sort of like humbleness. It brings a humbleness and a compassion just to know that we don't know the way other people see things. Mm. And when I'm like, how hard is it to be on time to fucking dinner? Mm. And they're like, they're thinking about 10 other things that are valuable to them based mm. upon the way that they see the world. Who am I to judge them and to look down on them just because they didn't make it to my thing? And it's, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I wish you came to dinner on time. It's another to, we have a interruption here. I thought it was, I was just going to talk to you. Okay. Um, so just the amount of compassion that I have had um, increased since doing this has made it worth it for me um, already Um, because yeah I believe in a family of eight people every single person sees the world differently and I you know being the parent I feel like the parents we should be the most compassionate and the most humble in understanding that we don't probably know how our kids see the world and just these brief traveling experiences of seeing the world differently myself with the same brain makes me wonder how differently they see it with a different brain. Which is curiosity. I think it makes you feel more curious about if if I this is how I see the world, but I can see the world so differently now. It may how do all these other people see the world? And I'd like to know. I'd like to understand better. Well, I really like that, Cammie. Mm, thanks, Ben. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say? I don't think so. This is all real good. This was all brought to you just for your entertainment. We're glad we could tell you some fictional stories for yeah. all you police officers out there. Everyone else. Wink, wink. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Okay. Well, that's out. That cat's out of the bag, I guess. Yep. No going back now. Mm -hmm. It's a good bedtime story. We're drug users. (laughs) Druggies. Um. 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 How do I want to end this? I don't know what to say now. Uh. Okay. Well. You want to share your. Whoever wants to share their psychedelic experiences. Shit, don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't want... I just don't want people to get in trouble, but yeah. I guess whatever. But, um, right, that's true. Otherwise, <laughs> see you in jail. Mm. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to post a list of resources down in the links because there have been some things that have been really helpful to us, and I'll post like maybe an Amazon list of some of our favorite books, but there's such a wide range of stuff mm-hmm. that... Um, Jeez, I feel like I need to make a, another list, like a Google Doc or something, and put it down there. But because remember Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, like we oh, were watching yeah. that series. We watched so many documentaries, and because mm-hmm. I think we needed, I didn't just need education. I needed to have companions and friends virtually that I knew were also had been through similar things because I didn't know anyone in my real life that was really doing it. Mm -hmm. We were like the only people we knew of and it felt really scary. So Mm -hmm. um, I started listening to fish and pink Floyd and the Beatles again. (laughs) I was just like, these guys did drugs. Like I feel less lonely. (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) Started buying tie dye shirts again. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so I'll post those links below and Mm -hmm. Um, if you guys are looking for a Christmas present, might I recommend the book I wrote called 2000 miles together, the story of the largest family to hike the Appalachian trail. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's a way you can support us is by buying that. It makes a great present. Also, um, if you want to listen to Cammy's music, it's available on uh, like Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and any of those places. If you just type in Cammy Crawford, K-A-M-I-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D, and you can listen to that song, Time, mm-hmm. um, on there, which is about one particular psychedelic trip that I had mm-hmm. um, where I threw my $1,000 watch across the room <laughs> <laughs> because I was committing to not getting comfort from just random metrics that were comforting mm. me, and I wanted to learn how to just exist and be in the moment. And I felt like she did a beautiful job. I think it's one of your most popular songs, actually. Yeah. Like it has more views on the YouTube than any of their songs. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, um, if you want to leave a comment on YouTube, that would be great. I'm interested to hear what you thought about this um, episode. Yeah. And I think you guys left some comments on the last episode about mm-hmm. we're looking for ideas. But yeah, I think next some. time, actually, <clears throat> next week we're not posting one because you and I are going to be out of town. Right. But then the week after that, I think Tim is going to come do a guest episode. With you? Yeah. Take my spot? Yeah. Nice. My neighbor. That's great. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because I've wanted oh, to have yeah. him on this for a long time. Oh, yeah. That's great. That'll be that'll be fun. So, okay. I'll see everyone in two weeks, but they'll see you in... Oh, no. They'll see me in three weeks and you in two weeks. Sweet. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.